Saludos and salutations, Broncos country. Welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. I'm your host, Adan Diaz, and joining me, as always, to my right is my co-host, at Richie Richie. Richie, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you very much for asking. Guys, we have an action-packed show for you today. But before we get to the topic of today's show, I want to let you guys know, uh, give you guys some news and announcements before we start the show. Guys, we are on a quest for 1,000 subs. Richie and I and everybody here at the Mile High Roundtable Podcast, we are so, so excited to be on this quest and to finally get to this quest. And not just to get to 1,000 subscribers, Rich, but to go further beyond. As members and loyal citizens of Broncos country, we want to incorporate and share what we, you know, what we are, our love for our team and what we like and what we say and everything to everybody that listens to us across the podcast world, whether you're live or listening to us to audio after the fact, doesn't matter. Guys, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, wherever it is you can follow us or see us. Hit that follow and subscribe button, guys. Help us get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Now, as always, guys, just want to remind you that we are uh, a fan ba- uh, fan-based led podcast. We are not sports writers. You know, we are just here to talk about what we love, which is the Denver Broncos, Richie and mine's opinions. We're not beat writers. So, and we always like to hear from you guys. So make sure you guys hit us up on the comments. Let us know, you know, if you have any questions for Rich and I, or for our special guest, uh, that's part of our uh, segment in today's episode, which is ask a fan. And thanks to you guys. It's been a big hit. So from Richie and I, we'd like to, you know, say thank you and, to everybody that's offered their feedback and listened and opened up their ears and minds and anything to uh, welcome all of our past uh, uh, fans that we had on the show and for the future ones that are to come. But Rich, without further ado, guys, let's bring on today's fan. Everybody say hello to Jacksonville. I'm sorry, Rich, you want to add something? Yeah, I just want to say... Um... Our, our guest uh, today um, is uh, Ty Derby, a Jag super fan. Uh, I just want to preface everything to everyone here. Uh, Ty got called into work. Uh, he is an emergency responder. And uh, I, with, with his job and everything like that, it puts him in super awkward and very weird hours. So he's on call all the time. It happened to just simply coincide with our show today. So as a result of that, Ty will not be able to jump on video as we had originally hoped and planned for him. He has ensured that he was here to make sure we were able to have the pod. So I just want to thank him very much for taking that time and making that extra effort. I mean, hey, when when work and duty calls like that, you know, sometimes things like that come up. So I appreciate Ty uh, coming on board and still uh, proceeding accordingly. And uh, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and bring uh, Ty into the show. Thank you very much, Ty. Thank you my, again. Thanks again, guys, for having me on. I apologize for not being in on video, but I uh, appreciate chatting with you guys. So thanks again. I No, we, we, it's really great having you here. And you and I reached it pr- pretty early on. I, I was super stoked to, to try and get put in touch with uh, a Jag super fan, especially given your, your draft status this year. You and I sure. volleyed back and forth on, on, on quite a bit with regards to, you know, the Jags, the roster, uh, where, you know, some of the potential for your team is now, especially given, uh, one, the fact that you guys had pretty much two ultra premium pr- uh, picks, rather, in this uh, in this past draft. Uh, and then, uh, of course, you guys went, went and 
you know, Dunn signed uh, Tim Tebow, who used to be a Denver Bronco, which just made this conversation yeah. just so much more interesting, right? Oh, uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I could spend a lot of time on Tim. I, I think he's a great person, a great guy. I don't know if it's worth necessarily the circus that it brings, but I mean, it is attention and we're not used to getting attention. So I guess there is that. So. Uh, so, Tyler, for those of us or anyone who has not uh, heard your story of how you became a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, uh, why don't you enlighten us with how you became a Jaguars fan? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I actually live. I actually live in, um, believe it or not, near Chicagoland. Oh, um, I live like in me. Chicago, but I'm a season. Yeah, I'm a season ticket holder for the Jay. Um, oh, okay. So I fly down, not to every game, but I go down to probably counting away at home games. Uh, it it varies on the season, but I want to say it's anywhere between. I would say eight to ten games a year, home and away, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of time on the road because every game is an away game for me. Um, traveling eight hundred to a thousand miles for every home game. Um, but when I was younger, uh, Pee Wee football, we actually my Pee Wee team was named the Jaguars, and it was the same year that they were in, in an expansion team. And I liked mm-hmm. the logo, and I'm like, I'm a Jaguar, so I've been a fan ever since <laughs> since year one. Um, and in 2018, I had the honor of being inducted in Canton, Ohio, into the um, Pro Hall of Fans for the NFL, for the Jaguars. So I was recognized by my team um, as being a Hall of Fame fan. So that was probably my biggest honor to date um, as far as being a fan as being inducted in Canton, Ohio. So. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Uh, before we go to our next question, uh, Rich and I would like to say hi to everybody in the room right now. Dave Glasman, saludos. Hashtag my high five, gentlemen. Hello, my friend EJ. He says, what's up, Broncos country? Hello, the boss, McCreasy. What's up, everybody? Uh, I don't know where we, if we want to guess where the boss is today, uh, but I want to go ahead and guess that he's probably at another softball game or in a park somewhere. I was going to uh, say a park. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think that's a safe bet. I mean, when you have twelve kids, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, wow, you're you're you're, you're going to be no. He's got like six, I think, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but wow. I mean, at the same time, once once you cast once you get past three, it's it's basically all a blur. I think after that, um, yeah. but uh, you know, with that many kids, you're in the you're in the park a lot. <laughs> uh, Shadow Jacker says hello, everybody in the chat, and also hello, Ty. Uh, Albert Knoppers, who uh, Richie just highlighted. He hasn't been here a while. I hope everything is okay with you, Albert. And Travis Tarbox, he says, what's up, fellas? Uh, Denver Broncos for life. And um, Travis, good uh, to see you again. Thank you for coming in again. I appreciate yes. it. Thank you. Uh, Shadowjacker uh, has a question for you, Ty. And this is something you ju- we're just talking about, which is about uh, straight out the gate, Ty. Your thoughts on Jesus' best friend forever, Tebow, as a tight end. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not opposed to having Tebow because I still, I mean, I think he's an athlete. He's obviously in shape. I think he could contribute as like a gimmick type player. But I feel like at his age, trying to play a position he's never played before, how effective is he going to be? And I'm a a huge Tebow fan. I think he's a great guy. I like what he stands for. Um, Him and Urban obviously have that connection. Um, But I'm torn a little bit. I don't know, you know. Is it more for, for for tickets, you know, for attention, for show, or is it legitimate? I mean, I'm not going to count them out. So I would say to answer the question, I'm kind of on the fence because I want him to do well, obviously, but I'm still kind of skeptical 
at 33 playing a position he's never played before how how effective is he going to be or if at all so kind right. of on the fence. so if i if i could jump off of that uh, yeah it's sticking the same topic just again i mean obviously the broncos connection so you're gonna have most of our audience is going to be more than familiar sure. with, uh, with with Tim Tebow. Um, where yeah. I was kind of wondering and, and looking for your take as a Jags fan and with the rest of kind of the Jags fans there, um, sure. how would you feel if they used him as more Tim Tebow offensive weapon? So, uh, and, and I'll kind of elaborate on that because sure. I, I think it's a fair comment to make. I mean, you're 33 years old and you're trying to transition to becoming a tight end. And I think one of the big things and the reasons why you'd put him at tight end is the dude's massive. Um, yes. So so I think there's a natural position fit there. And with the fullback basically kind of going the way of the dodo in the NFL, I think having a guy like Tebow at, at tight end can certainly bolster the roster. But what would you think of something more like fullback, halfback slash scatback, uh, mixed in quarterback, almost like Taysom Hill was used in New Orleans yeah. or Narlins, if you want to kind of go full, <laughs> you know, full Louisiana. Um, so I, I just kind of in that vein, what do you think about that? You read my mind with the Taysom Hill. Um, I see him more, <laughs> as, honestly, as more of if he makes the roster, more of a Taysom Hill type. Use them on fourth and inches, you know, goal line situations, short yardage stuff, gimmick type trick plays. I feel like he'd be a lot more effective there than he would trying to play tight end. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, I think he would be much more suited in like a gimmick type role, short yardage, goal line stuff. Avoid, I would rather avoid Lawrence taking any unnecessary hits with quarterback dives and stuff. He's, I mean, he's tall, but he's still kind of skinny at this point. So Tebow, with his frame and everything, would be perfect in goal line situations, I feel like. So, yeah, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll throw in my two cents here. You know, back in 2010, 2011, I was a huge Tebow fan. Uh, uh, and I don't know if I shared the story on this podcast before, but when I was at a restaurant for my birthday, the Broncos were playing on my birthday, January 8th that game against the Steelers and as I was eating my food I almost I jumped up in excitement so fast that I almost tipped over the table I was eating at watching uh, Demarius Thomas run for that 80 something yard touchdown and sending the Broncos to uh, the divisional round uh, but it, you know and 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 even though the, the Broncos got stomped I had a lot of faith going into you know what Tebow could have done in 2012 now that was before the whole Peyton Manning uh, retirement and then the whole talks about him possibly coming to Denver and I, I was probably one of the only sad Tebow fans when Peyton Manning did come over not because I didn't have anything against Peyton Manning but because I felt that there was probably still some potential with with Tebow you know like okay he got us to the second round if he would have gotten another round another chance maybe he could have gotten us to a Super Bowl you know it, it was it's hypotheticals at that point but yeah and and while he did have a, a, a nice uh, baseball run it wasn't anything of, of grandeur like he did when he was in, in Denver. You know, he was playing for the minors there. So now the fact that he's coming back and playing a position that is not his forte to me is is pretty alarming. Uh, and I would be pretty much alarmed if I was a, a Jacksonville f a fan just for the simple fact that if he flames out, he could have took the position of somebody that Jacksonville could have actually used, you know, whether it be in free agency or somebody they could have gotten out of the draft or maybe in a trade or something. 
So if Urban Meyer does use Tebow as a, a, a pocket knife kind of quarterback, like they use Taysom Hill in New Orleans, like you guys have mentioned, that'd be great. But you'd have to list Tebow as a quarterback and not as a, a, a tight end of sorts. Correct. Yeah, you're right. And I and and with our quarterbacks we have now, he's not. I mean, quite frankly, he's not worth taking up a quarterback spot with Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. You know, what I mean, he's not. I mean, at that point, it would just be taking up a space. Um, and, and again, I say all of this by I I'm a big Tebow fan. I like the guy. Um, you know, like I said, I root for him. Um, but at the same time, I'm also kind of a realist, I guess. Like, how much is he really going to help us in 2021 and beyond? Um, I, To be honest, this whole thing, I'm more skeptical about Urban Meyer than I am all of this. He worries me a little bit just because some of the moves he's made, not just Tebow, but other moves. I'm wondering if he can handle the NFL. He has zero NFL experience. And some of the stuff he's doing kind of reflects that. I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, as the year and years play on. But his track record of leaving programs and such, and I mean, Urban concerns me more than anything going on, to be honest, in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Right, but with with Urban Meyer, though, I mean, yeah, he has a bit of a, a leg up for at least the next two, maybe three years from oh, yeah. most of the NFL coaches. Because the one thing that I think a lot of people are not um, giving Urban enough um, I don't say credit is the wrong word, but certainly enough do, I think, is he knows pretty much every single top-tier and mid-tier college player, probably by name, and could probably go through both strengths and weaknesses for each and every one of them. And if he doesn't know it off the top of his head, I guarantee every single person who's joined us today and who watches this after we go live, that Urban Myers has a notebook or a dictionary, which is probably more apt and appropriate of every single young college kid when he was scouting them as an opponent to know how to beat them. And and frankly, I think that gives him an enormous advantage to pretty what maybe every other coach in the NFL right now. Oh, yeah, I mean, I there is that. Simon, too, I guess I'm more skeptical only because of his track record, I guess, of leaving programs and his health. I guess that's where my concern is more at. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I, at being 1-15 in 15 last season, to me, it was worth swinging for the fences. He's a big name. Um, you know, he's, he's won national championship. So overall, I think it was worth the gamble. It's just he... It's just there's things about him that kind of concerned me with what he's done so far. But like I said, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for at least, you know, a season or two. So. Yeah. And, and you know what? Let me just say that what you guys are trying to do with Gardner, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Rich. Uh, yeah. Uh, what you guys are trying to do with Gardner Minshew, I would say keep that guy because even yes. though Gardner Minshew isn't exactly Patrick Mahomes-like, there's something there with that guy. And that oh, yeah. guy, that guy was able to flare up a, a fire in Jacksonville that has not been seen in a long time. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Trevor Lawrence. I'm pretty sure Trevor Lawrence is going to be great. But, yeah. you know, trading away Minshew could be a really bad thing because he would still make a great backup quarterback should Trevor Lawrence get hurt at all. 
So, Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. <laughs> and he's better than uh, than who would you guys have? Uh, Blaine Gabbard or whoever was the backup? Or, <laughs> anybody in the years ago, but, uh, uh Right now, it would be C.J. Beathard. Yeah, C.J. Is our third quarterback. Yeah. So yeah. I, I know that I know Jacksonville is there's been a lot of rumors that they're trying to shop Minshew around for, I don't know, a second, a third round pick or maybe. Uh, but if I were Urban Meyer, I would keep a guy like Minshew because even though he's not the greatest quarterback, he's a good quarterback. And I'm telling and I'm saying this because he was able to to beat our Broncos uh, two years ago, coming in as a guy with no name and as a guy who a lot of us thought that the Broncos were just going to run all over. I was at that game actually. Oh wow! <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yep. I like Gardner. No, he's a competitor. He's scrappy. He fights. He's tough. He's smart. I think I agree with everything you said. It'd be a mistake to get rid of him. At least he's played a few seasons. He has some experience. Trevor is still, and I agree. I think he's going to be great, but he's still never played a snap in the NFL yet. And having some type of experience or backup or if an injury happens is vital. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually think that you guys should probably hold on to Gardner this year. Um, Maybe he steps in for a game if Trevor gets hurt or or does well for a small stint, which I think that Gardner can can do. And I think what your team should do, I'm going to play Jags GM for a moment here on the pod. My my kind of gut here with, with Gardner is you want to maximize his value. And right now you're probably not going to want to necessarily pay him as a long-term backup because I think you guys can probably develop and cycle through somebody else in that role. However, I do think that if he goes on field and he's already shown pretty good, not, not great tape, but pretty good tape and, 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 you know, no offense to your team, but much like ours, you know, you don't go one in fifteen with having an absolute stellar roster. Just like you don't go five and eleven with having an absolute stellar roster either. So, um, I get it. And I'm I'm kind of I, I'm kind of equating what the Broncos did last year and kind of the Jags and just saying, look, you know, both sure. of our teams were not particularly amazing last year, but that doesn't mean we can't be. But I think you can maximize Gardner's value by having him play one or two games this year, show out and look good on film and on tape, and and. You know, maybe he does better in a in a college system hybrided with the NFL, which is something I think Urban can probably do pretty well with Gardner. And then maybe you get a second round pick for him in the offseason or midseason for a team that needs a quarterback to step in for maybe an injured starter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I don't think there's any reason to trade him right now. I mean, he's not being a distraction. From what I understand, no. he's working hard. So, I mean, outside of, you know, of, of that, uh, like the only way I would trade him is if he was disgruntled, he wanted to leave, he was distraction, but I've heard none of those things. So it would not be in our interest at all to trade him right now. I think it would be a mistake. Uh, our our uh, good friend, Mile High Prophet, who's been on this segment as well, uh, Tyler has a question for you. He says, <laughs> did Lawrence his haircut? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've known John for a few years now uh so i was expecting a question from him from the prophet um did lawrence force veggie's haircut uh <laughs> um you know what I, I you know who knows um i uh i was liking the mole he had going with lawrence we had the best um quarterback here in the whole league by far um so now that's quite the hit um but uh to answer his question no 
but uh <laughs> but uh i was hoping the mullet would continue so right uh so let me ask you how did you feel when the jaguars let leonard fournette go and then watching him go to tampa bay and win a ring with the bucks yeah i was actually believe it or not i was actually okay with it i mean i like fournette he had a few productive years with us but he was a major headache in the locker room um for us anyway um Mm -hmm. And I know people within the organization and such, and you heard stories about he was just the ultimate team cancer in the locker room. Um, right. A lot of distractions. Um, and again, it's not against anything against the guy. I've met him before. I, you know, I, I I have nothing against him. It's just for a young team. Again, we were one in fifteen. It was better he left. They're starting over, and we found James Robinson out of it. Um, which I think James Robinson is a little more versatile. He can do a few more things than Leonard. Leonard to me is an old school running back. To me, he's like 15, 20 years past his generation. He's north and south, bruising. You know what I mean? Good running back. It's just, I feel like he was made for a different era. He can't really catch the backfield. And by just getting rid of him, we had James Robinson, who excelled even more than Fournette did. So I was actually okay with it. Yeah, so that does kind of, it was a bit of a, a head scratcher when the Jaguars went and got another running back, even though that running back is familiar with the system that, uh, because he did play with Trevor Lawrence on the same team, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And then you yes, have yeah. James, and my, my cousin actually pointed this out to me, and he said, why did they go out and get a running back? They still, they have James Robinson, who had a really good season last year. So do you believe that there's going to be now a bit of a running back competition in terms of who should get the, you know, who should be running back one, running back two? Do you think that could sure. be good for the team or is that going to be, you know, some unnecessary friction that was caused? Yeah, I was at the draft and I was shocked when they took Travis Etienne in the end of the first round, just because I'm like, if you would have asked me besides uh, quarterback, what position are we? Oh, the one position we're okay at was running back. Every other position we we need help at, but not running back. So we took <laughs> our second first round draft pick on the one position we did need help. That to me is uh, this is speculation. It's, it was a pick for Trevor. Um, you know, um, Urban has mentioned through several press conferences he wants to play fast. He wants to play up tempo, and Etn does fit that. Um, I mean, it's still kind of a puzzling pick i mean it's not bad to have talent um i still think robinson will be the workhorse and you'll see etn more like a third down back out of the backfield type maybe in the slot that's kind of how i see it how i would see it going but urban may have a completely different plan but i mean he's he's fast obviously he's familiar with trevor and that's the only reason i'm somewhat okay with it is just because of the familiarity with trevor if that makes sense no, but right. And, and outside the, of that, I was not a fan of the pick. Right. No, and the thing that kind of makes me wonder, and I started thinking about this the other day while I was doing my research on Jacksonville, was I do hope that there's not a lingering issue with James Robinson that, you know, it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was injured or, or uh, besides the whole COVID thing that kept him uh, a lot out of the season. So I hope there's not a lingering reason. Uh, he missed a, the, a last, reason. Yeah, the last the, the, was it the last? Yeah, two, he missed the last two, two games, games or something. The last two or yeah, three. So, he he uh, sprained his ankle, um, and oh, they just were okay. keeping him out just for caution. Because at that point, well, and, and it probably didn't hurt that they were in the race for the number one pick. 
and not right playing him. That's just my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. That's just my opinion because I, from what I gathered, those weeks he did practice, but they always held him out on game day. That's mm-hmm. my speculation is that they're like, well, why risk that ankle anymore? And it wouldn't hurt if we lost these last few games. Again, right. speculation, no, I, but I, I totally get it. I just hope that there's not a lingering issue with James Robinson that, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that most teams don't don't tell the fans or the media. And you know we kind of oh, went absolutely. through we kind of we kind of went through that with our with when we had Philip Lindsay on our team last season, you know. Uh, and I don't know if, if Rich will attest to this, but to me, I kind of felt like even though Philip Lindsay hit the field, he wasn't at a hundred percent. He had an issue or something where uh, he couldn't. He, he wasn't at or at least he wasn't at a hundred percent. But he tried, and when he tried, he got hurt. And then it was just the, the team kind of trying to bubble wrap it and say, oh, it's not that bad. But then like the following week, it was like Philip Lindsay's out because he has a concussion because he hurt his leg because he has turf toe, you know, like like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Jags in the last two games of the season basically were I mean, they were well outside of, of contending for, for anything. And, and the Broncos were in a different spot when, when Philip kept on kind of cycling in and out of our lineup because the Broncos were really only a few games out of potential playoff contention and, and kind of, you know, getting a foot in the door. And then we just kind of went downhill for those, you know, few games in the stretch and basically, you know, put ourselves into the hole that was just, you know, you couldn't climb out of. Um, I actually just wanted to tie in. I, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to like weave a few of your points together, Ty, and, and, and kind of get some feedback from you. So uh, sure. for anyone who follows our pod, I'm, I'm basically the size of Tebow um, okay. in terms of height and weight. So Tebow, Tebow and I are the same weight, same height, give or take. Um, uh, he's about an inch taller and we're about the same weight. So um, I, I'm looking at what he did in, in Denver and um, some of the things he did there, um, he did well because he had some reasonably good blockers in front of him and he was able to... I mean, he plowed through people in terms of in, in some of this um, people refer to it as like the wildcat, but he just basically held onto the ball and ran. And he was the first quarterback that I've ever really seen in the NFL to truly um, look at a guy in front of him. And rather than run out of bounds, Tebow was the first QB that I saw that turned uphill, lowers his shoulder and literally leveled the guy. And, and not And not only... Not only did he level him, he was sent him backwards. Like it, it was, it was really quite remarkable. It was, it was one of those things that just made me proud because that's how I played rugby when I played in Canada. We don't really have a whole ton of football here, but we have rugby, which is like football a little bit more yeah. aggressive. And I don't wear pads, so my pain tolerance is ridiculous. But anyways, um, with regards to what you were talking about earlier, you made a couple comments. Uh, one. Trevor Lawrence is not a, a particularly large guy. He's kind of tall and a little thin. And uh, I, I think he, it would be in his best interest to put on a little bit of weight at the NFL level. And I believe I've heard some comments from a few coaches and a few guys out of Jacksonville to say he really needs to do that if he wants to do well because they don't want him to get hurt. Um, and now you do also question he has a hamstring injury now. Is that his attempt to try and put on that weight? And is, is his body saying, no, thank you? So that's a, a different issue in and of itself. But what's your offensive line like when you're, uh, you know, in terms of protection and running game and, and those types of things? 
And uh, where do you think that you guys stand from an O-line perspective to protect your new first-round pick, especially given the fact that A, is an injury now, and B, we know that it's going to take him some time, probably one or, or at least one and a half years, to put on enough weight and get comfortable in that kind of new body type uh, to probably play at the NFL level back to the way he was in college. Yeah, I mean, our offensive line, uh, I wish we would have actually addressed it more in the draft and for agency. Um, I don't think we did an adequate job. Um, you know, I'd say we're middle of the road to below average on the O-line. We got a few guys, our left tackle, Cam Robinson, uh, I believe this is his fifth year out of Alabama. Um, he's not bad. He's not bad. He's pretty solid. Um, Andrew Norwell's not bad at guard. We have a few guys, but overall, I'd say we're average at best. I'd say we're average at best. And I was hoping we'd spend more of our um, cap money in free agency going after O-line. I was very disappointed in our lack of bringing new guys in, in my so, opinion. So just, just to build off of that, is that one of the picks that you were hoping that back end of the first round rather than going Etienne? Was that where you were hoping maybe you'd pull in another OL, like an O-line guy, maybe a... Uh, an offensive tackle at the back end or maybe another guard. That's what I was hoping just because right. we all saw what happened to Joe Burrow last year, his old line, you know what I mean? He got crushed. And that's my biggest fear with Lawrence is early on, he gets a knee injury, whatever it is. And quarterbacks may not be the same. You never know. You know how guys respond to injuries. You never know. So that was my bigger concern was I was hoping that they would address. I mean, we did draft some, linemen later on in the draft but i'm like you know how effective are they going to be in the later rounds you never know obviously the draft is kind of a crapshoot to a certain extent i just i thought the etn was more of a luxury pick if that makes sense like something where yeah he's familiar with trevor he's fast he put up great college stats but that wasn't really a need when we have an average at best at best average offensive line and you have the best quarterback you've ever had it um in that town quite frankly franchise quarterback you need to protect your investment so i, 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 so, I, I so that's what i'm disappointed in I, right. I could not agree more um no. just to just to bring in uh building off of this i, I it's six foot ten and i are on a, on a wavelength here it's 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 awesome um you know, Chicago and Ontario, it's it's crazy how you can you can kind of just telepath you know, telepathically just kind of like be on the same page. So um th- this is really exactly where I was going with this. So we, we kind of covered your quarterback and you know, maybe a, a weakness, I suppose. You might want to kind of go as far as saying that on your team, which is the offensive line. Uh, maybe to a point where you might be concerned with your rookie quarterback, much like Joe Burrow. Well, sorry, the Bengals should have been with Joe Burrow, weren't, and probably regret it now. Um, sure. So now as we look forward and wanting to kind of speak to all of uh, all of the fans here in the pod and everyone going to join us after the fact, um, we play each other this year. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on and have some discussions here. Um, building off of EJ's uh, question here. Thank you, EJ, for the, the question. And uh, we were going to get to this, I promise, which was how do you think the Jags and the Broncos are going to square off against each other? And, and wh- of what you know of the Broncos, and keep in mind, Mile High Profit is still here. Uh, how do you think we are going to do against each other? How do you think we're going to do against each other? And where do you think we match up well? And where do you think the Jags will struggle? And where do you think the Broncos will struggle? 
yeah. Um, being it week two, uh, so early in the season, it's going to be our first home game uh, because we play week one on the road at Houston. Um, right. So off the bat, the weather could always be an issue. The sweltering heat in Jacksonville that time of year, um, that could play to our advantage. Um, on the surface, as much as I don't want to admit with the profit listening, you guys do have a pretty solid defense and experienced defense and playing Trevor early on in week two definitely benefits you guys in that regard. Just because, you know, second game, first home game, it's a lot of pressure, especially being at home too. You know, you're, you're at home, you have all these expectations. Broncos have an experienced defense, a good defense. Um, I saw that definitely weighs in your favor for sure. Um, and as far as our defense, I mean, our defense was, was horrible, was horrible last year to say the least, but, uh, um, I'm being very generous by saying horrible, but, uh, so I, I'd say early on, um, I mean, you, you guys obviously have a good running game there, um, with Melvin, um, Drew Locke has shown flashes, um, as well um obviously i'm a homer but if you're asking me on june 15th who do i think ultimately would have the edge if i had to pick right now i'd have to probably give denver a slight edge just because of the experience and the defense with it being so early on in trevor's career so <laughs> i know Providence is, is gonna like that comment but i'll be honest i'm a realist and week two you guys would probably have the slight edge you know what? And I wouldn't say your defense was terrible because Denver did sign AJ Bouye to a contract and he was supposed to be the the answer yeah. to us uh, moving on from Chris Harris Jr. Uh, in 2020. Yeah. But unfortunately, AJ Bouye, we were hoping to get 27, uh, 17 AJ Bouye and that Bouye would <laughs> did not show up at my high. That's long gone. Overall. That's yeah. long gone, unfortunately. So, Good so, guy, but yeah. Bouye was always gone. the Robin, though, in yeah. Jacksonville. So, so that's the Bouye we were hoping to get, you know, when Jacksonville was just absolutely amazing that season, and they were just one game away from going to the Super Bowl and representing uh, the AFC that year. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, other than that, I, I do see a lot of upside with Denver playing uh, Jacksonville, Tyler. And I, I, I will agree with you in terms of saying that Denver does have a slight uh, advantage over Jacksonville. And that's and I'm saying that slight because I don't see uh, if it's Drew Locke. I don't know if Drew Locke is ready to to uh, to be the guy. You know, and what I mean by that, and I know my high profits is already freaking out by saying slight side edge, is the fact that there are so <laughs> many. We hear so many reports out of minicamp coming out today from quarterbacks all around the league. I read today about how Cam Newton just missed like s- simple throws he missed. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa threw like three or four interceptions today. Uh, Drew Locke apparently had a really great uh, minicamp. So. And everything is just, you know, speculation at this point. Guys can that are playing like crap right now can play excellent come week one and then vice versa. So and we still don't know who's going to be our, our starting quarterback. We don't know if it's for sure Drew Locke or if it's for sure Teddy Bridgewater or if George Payton pulls the rug out of everybody and goes out and gets a Deshaun Watson or goes out and gets an Aaron Rodgers or what have you. So we don't know who's going to be under center yet. But what I will agree with you is 
the defense is more than likely going to be the reason why Denver wins most of their games simply for the fact that that's how our formula has been since we won Super Bowl uh, 50. It's just been the defense bailing out the offense. And I know Rich and I have said this plenty of times on this on this show. You know, it's just been the defense bailing out the offense. So if we can find a way to get back to uh, that offense we had in 2013 with Peyton Manning, where Peyton Manning put up so many points that the defense didn't have to go out and play stellar. They just had to go out there and just keep the other team from putting up the same amount of points, even if they had to give up a touchdown or a field goal or whatever. Denver still won the game. So Denver has yet to find that balance where it's defense is great and the offense is great. Right now it's defense is great. Offense is still, you know, trying to get there. And so far, if you look on paper, we're just a quarterback away from being a really great football team. I'm not sure how. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I I actually give us a little bit more than a slight edge against the Jags as of today. Um in part because worst case scenario drew doesn't work out and doesn't win and then we basically end up going and moving forward with teddy bridgewater and in my opinion at this stage in careers uh, teddy is going to be far and above what trevor lawrence is going to be at the nfl level so like today now that doesn't mean that Trevor isn't going to start showing the types of things we saw from, I mean, let's just be real. Joe Burrow looked like a first round pick. It was scary. I, I was not a fan because I know we need a quarterback and then we need a really good one. And I saw Joe Burrow play and I was like, oh, okay. That's why he's picked first overall. I understand. And I felt really bad for him because you could see he knew exactly what he needed to do and how he was going to do it. And he's just looking in front of him at at his offensive line and saying, guys, please just help me. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then you ended up with, and then you ended up with in our division. And again, this is kind of uh, leading into kind of where I was going with where I see Trevor Lawrence, maybe ending up maybe more in the vein of, which is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert kind of was thrust into his role and you saw real good flashes. And then the unfortunate part for us as Broncos fans, largely here, I don't think there's any Jags fans that have joined us today, but I hope, I hope that they watch us after the fact, because I I really like this volley conversation with the super fans here is I could totally and completely see someone like Trevor Lawrence making modest steps improvements almost like what we saw from a Justin Herbert where they start off eh, and then you're and then you see a few throws and you say oh okay and then you see you know another game and they adjust and then they adjust and they adjust and it's almost like that that step ladder and really as Broncos fans that's what we really want to see from Drew Locke right is at this point here you want to see him build off of the good and recognize the bad and then start diminishing the bad or kind of pushing the bad down and learning from it and using that as a stepping stone forward. Ideally, as Broncos fans, that's what we all want because you want that kind of cheap rookie deal deal as a team so that the team can then start pivoting and looking at actual other players around the quarterback to make him better. So I, I think that that's what we want to see from our quarterback. But I, I if, if I'm going to be honest, I... I 
disagree a little bit. I think we actually have a little bit larger than a slight advantage uh, given the team's circumstances and the fact that we have a veteran as a backstop in order to step in for Drew Locke if, if push comes to shove. Right. And uh, my high profit says, with all due respect to my friend Tyler, uh, that skinny hippie quarterback is going to be picking <laughs> turf out of his teeth all game, minimum three sacks. <laughs> Boy, I've heard so many names about Lawrence. Uh, he's he's probably right, unfortunately. But uh, you may win the battle, Prophet. But I think we may win the war in the long run. So just remember that. Right. So let me ask you this, Tyler. <laughs> um, if if you yeah. were if you were the GM, and you yep. obviously Jacksonville was number one. And you didn't want Trevor Lawrence, and this is just hypothetically speaking. Who sure, yeah. was your number two player on your board be if it wasn't Trevor Lawrence? Ooh. Um, yeah, so like you said, if we were picking number two per se, um, which I thought we were all year, yeah, gonna be all year. Um, see, Zach Wilson made a big jump there. I felt like after the season up to the draft. Um, not that I'm not sold on him. I just, I didn't see enough film on him to, but I, I guess it would have had to have been probably Zach Wilson only because where it was at, I wasn't sold on Trey Lance at all. Not that he won't be good. I get, it. I just, I, w- I w- would not have picked Lance. We definitely needed a quarterback and there's no one. I feel like that was that high. Maybe Kyle has Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida was obviously a stud. Mm-hmm. But we needed a quarterback. Uh, I, th- I think there was no other pick for us but quarterback. And, and I like Gardner a lot saying that. Um, so probably Zach Wilson, but I, I would have been okay with Kyle Pitts as well. Yeah. So, so I, I want to build off of Jet just for one sec. Same vein, yeah. same general question, or kind of in the same kind of wheelhouse. Do you think that Gardner Minshew has gotten a fair shake there given the state of the offensive line and the fact that he has likely struggled as a result of it? Um, a fair yeah. shot. Uh, I mean, I, he was he had a lot of um, bad pieces around him. He didn't have the greatest receivers. We've had no good tight ends for years now. Um, he's had some injury problems. We were going, you know, we obviously had the coaching change with Marone. A fair shake, probably not completely fair. Um, I mean, I think he's overachieved being a late round six pick. Um, is he a franchise quarterback? Uh, he's not what I would call like a Pro Bowl star. I think if you if he was on the right team with pieces around him, I think he could be an adequate starter in this league. No doubt about it in my mind. I just but the stage we're at though right now, unfortunately, he, you know, I mean, we don't have those pieces or you know around. We were one in fifteen. He doesn't have the type of talent to elevate, if that makes sense. Like he's good, he's overachieved, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the monster arm, or he's—I mean, he—he he can run, but it, he's not fast. So, like he does a little bit of everything, but he's right. not good enough to necessarily elevate a whole franchise, if that makes sense. And it's not a knock on Gardner; it's just he's not—he's probably not that guy in that situation put him on a more established team, I think he could be a very good starter in this league. No doubt about it. Right. right. And you know what? I was actually looking into your division, uh, Tyler, and 
I thought I, yeah. I was actually looking at the wrong division at first. I thought the the Jaguars were at, uh, with uh, Miami and the Jets. I don't know why. But then when I looked at it again, I'm like, no, you guys are AFC South. So you actually have an advantage yep. in terms of, of quarterbacks because the Colts, they just moved on from Phillip Rivers because Phillip Rivers retired and they have um, Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, yep. I mean, even though he's coming back and he's uh, reuniting with his old coach, it'll be really hard to say if they can rekindle that magic they had when they won in Philadelphia. Uh, the Houston Texans, they're a complete mess right now. Tyrod Taylor is not the answer, let me just say, or whoever uh, Houston manages to scrape off of the free agency quarterback uh, barrel. So as long if, as the doctors stay away from his lungs. <laughs> you know, uh, so unless Deshaun Watson gets cleared to come and play, I think you guys win, win that automatically. And Tennessee, Tennessee was probably the only team I would say that you guys wouldn't be able to beat, you know, but with Arthur Smith gone, to me, I think that he was really the brainchild in bringing back uh, Ryan, resurrecting, I should say, Ryan Tannehill's career after he had that god-awful season with Adam Gase in Miami. And, of course, you know, King Henry is is King Henry. You don't have to do much to him in terms of just, you know, handing the ball and let him go to work. But if you have a really good front defensive line or linebacker core, you can handle a guy like King Henry and, you know, keep him limiting uh, limited in terms of him doing damage. So uh, my question to you, Tyler, is who do you feel is the biggest threat in your division and who do you feel you can more than likely steamroll over? Sweep. Uh, I, I didn't see. He uh, he had to step out for a second. Uh, so I'm uh, sorry. No, no, I'm good. No, I'm okay. here. I'm sorry. Um, the uh, number one, the Titans. I think they're the team to beat. Um, you know, obviously they brought in Julio. He had AJ Brown, Keen Henry, Tannehill. You know, they're a good team. They're obviously the team to beat. I still think the Colts will be tough. Wentz, you know, it'll be a coin flip with him. I still think the Colts. They're coached very well. I think they, I think they will still be a respectable team. I would rank us third right now in our division, just be, only because Houston is a dumpster fire, and that's putting it nicely. I mean, they are. I mean, they have had in the uh, last two years with, with Hopkins to everything this year. I mean, they have had an atrocious last two off seasons, atrocious. So, I mean, as bad as we were last year. I mean, I still feel like we're in a lot better spot than Houston is right now. So I I would go Tennessee, Indy, us, then Houston as far as ranking our division right now. I would actually put Indy in front of Tennessee simply because I feel that the Colts have a better defense than Tennessee. Tennessee's biggest Achilles heel. Tennessee's biggest Achilles heel still is the fact that Vic Vrabel or whoever made that call will not invest in that defense they spent so much money on the offense offensive line king henry ryan Tannehill, and then you know they tried to do all these band-aid cover-ups and bringing in vic beasley last season and uh uh jadavian Clowney, and those guys were total busts and if it wasn't for a critical error in denver in week one last season denver beats tennessee you know and and, I, and that's my story and i'm sticking to it so and the fact that Arthur Smith is gone from Tennessee, I see you guys splitting with Tennessee one and one because unfortunately King Henry's gonna have one really bad game and one good game against you guys. Uh yeah. and, and I see you guys sleep in the Texans, and I see you guys splitting with Indianapolis at most if you don't get swept. Yeah, I mean I, it 
it's hard saying. Like I said, I still think the Colts are a very tough team. They're very well coached, good defense. Yeah, I mean, I think the division, it has to come down to Indy or Tennessee, bearing some crazy scenario. I don't see it not being Indy or Tennessee fighting for the AFC South crown. Yeah, I, I kind of I'm I'm like I I know I'm I'm a little bit more of a pessimist when it comes to this sort of stuff. I think anyone that watches the pod knows that I'm um, far more conservative when it comes to these sorts of things. Even when it's even with our Denver Broncos, I I, I typically don't look at this as you know through the orange colored glasses like as many people do. I, I like to kind of look at things a little bit more realistically and and kind of like assessing why things happened as opposed to just saying it's the Broncos. We're going to kill everything. Um, I, I, I just think that similarly speaking, a team doesn't go one in 15 and then all of a sudden end up with a, a stellar record or, or, you know, even come close to winning a division in one season, not to say it can't happen, not to say it hasn't happened. I just think it's an unrealistic expectation for most fans to have, and I think Broncos oh, yeah. fans were in a similar position in our division as well. So I'm going to, you know, encapsulate and kind of include us in in that kind of general statement as well. In my opinion, I think the the Jags are going to surprise a couple teams just because they have such improved quarterback play. And I think that between the guys that you have, I think the division will be a little bit surprised with some of the improvements that have been made in the offseason. I actually think you guys drafted fairly well, but the problem is, is I also think that some of the needs were overlooked in favor of bringing in people that made your new quarterback comfortable. I think you pointed out Etienne as an example of that when probably what should have been done is an offensive lineman because Etienne surely is not going to be, you know, protecting you against Von Miller or Bradley Chubb coming off the edge in the Broncos game. And I, I yeah. if you would like to, please do because it'll just mean a few extra sacks. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, but but that's kind of my point, right? Is is I think that the Jags are on a, a, a I think you're on a great trajectory because I think you probably found your answer at quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, which is really the you know the million dollar question in any NFL uh, franchise. And then I think your next steps, if it depend, and this will I think really be a telling point for the Jags franchise just overall is now what. You got your quarterback. Yep. You, you kind of got that key, that keystone piece, you know, that key pillar of your franchise. Now the question is going to be, can your head coach identify the key elements that he wants to do and that fit with your quarterback and kind of identify that offensive scheme that they want to run within the Jaguars organization? And then can your front office properly pivot and draft accordingly? And if the answer to that is yes on all accounts, I actually think 2022, you're going to see the Jags probably win the division. And I think they can really, really do well because I, I think the major piece has been solved. I, I'm i not going to disagree with that. I think Lawrence, if everything goes well, pieces around him, protect him. I mean, I, our future has never been brighter, in my opinion. We have cap room. You know, um, new head coach, franchise quarterback. I, I feel very good about the future. You know, and I, my biggest thing is I just hope we can protect Lawrence and hope he is the real deal, which I think he is. But you never know. A lot of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of people, there's a lot of critics of him, though, as well. I don't know if it's hate because he's in Jacksonville. 
But uh, I've heard a lot of a lot of hate court towards Trevor Lawrence. But uh, we'll see. I yeah. think he's the real deal. I think he's the real deal. So the, the major critique I think of Lawrence has been that he's had basically NFL talent throughout college. So I think the concern with oh, yeah. Lawrence, I think the concern is, is that, I mean, didn't he have three first round receivers? Uh, no, he had um, T. Higgins, who went to the Bengals in the second round last year. Um, he he didn't really ha- actually he did he didn't have any first round receivers. Now he had a lot of NFL talent around him as far as linemen. You know, right? Um, I mean, right. Clemson's a very good team. Obviously, they're yes number one, number two every year. So yeah, he was surrounded with NFL talent. And yeah, and that can also disguise a lot as well. Like, okay, you're playing with the best. So everyone else is going to be inferior off the bat. Um, so we'll right. see. I mean, he definitely has his work cut out for him, No doubt. We are one in 15 for a reason. I mean, you know, we have a lot of holes to fill. So I think it'll be a year or two process, you know, to at least get going. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's before that. But I'm kind of erring on the side of caution, if that makes sense. Just because, one, I mean, like we were one in fifteen for a reason. We were atrocious in every area of the game, so it'll take a bit. But I have every reason to be excited, though. I think for our long-term future. So the piece that scares me about your team is that you guys have a, quite a bit of cap space coming into next season, like the off-season and whatnot. Yes. Yep. And I don't think that was by accident, and that's actually what scares me because I think that was done on purpose. And because that was done on purpose, or in my opinion, I believe it was done on purpose, I think that tells me that Jacksonville has a plan. I don't like seeing when other AFC teams have plans like that that seem to be playing out in their favor because that normally doesn't end well. <laughs> um, and and what I'm, I'm thinking will probably end up happening is, is that means that these um, the deficiencies that are likely identified throughout the course of this season to me, I think that means that your team is going to likely be addressing them in a combination of free agency in the draft. And I just, to me, if that is in fact what plays out and what happens, uh, you know, six foot ten, you you mentioned the the the, the near representation in the Super Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that's a stretch for the Jags, and that's what scares me as a Broncos fan because. I mean, when you get that quarterback question answered and then you have this large kind of cash treasure trove of of cap space, you can be a dangerous team when all you're doing is basically sniping off the key things that you need left on your team. So, Yeah, uh, you know what? And to kind of take on your your comment earlier, Tyler, uh, about... The the risk and that's something that a lot of fans don't really take into consideration is the risk that comes with the player that the, your uh, your favorite NFL team took in, you know. And there has been no more controversial first round pick so far than Denver passing up on Justin Fields, you know. Then that follows yeah. up, and that follows up with the Bears moving on up, trading on up to go get you know Justin Fields. And I had Fields. Uh, on, on my uh, draft board to pick if he fell into uh, our GM's hands and not the GM having to trade up to the fourth or fifth round pick to get him if he was still there. So don't get me wrong. I love Patrick Sertan. I think he's going to be a great addition to that already stellar Broncos defense. But if the Broncos offense struggles and they can't get it together 
and Justin Fields turns it around for, for Chicago, then, you know, that's going to fall. The gamble that George Payton took that night is going to come back and it's going to really, really hurt his, uh, uh, his... It's his first year as a GM. Obviously, he's not everything he does is not going to be stellar, but it won't be a great start to that. You know, yeah. it won't be like when John Elway came and, you know, even though he endured Tim Tebow for a year, he was able to lure in Peyton Manning uh, from free agency and snatched him away from other suitors. So, you know, the gamble that that George Payton took was huge passing up on Justin Fields. And only time is going to tell whether uh, Payton did the right thing or if it was just completely wrong. Sure, absolutely. But uh, I guess my point is just to go, just just only time will tell the value of a player, you know, like the Cowboys Absolutely. picking up Mike, Micah Parsons, the Eagles picking up Devontae Smith. It, yeah. it, all, it all depends on not just so much on what the team needs, but it just it more depends on the scheme that they're going into, you know, because uh, Denver didn't necessarily need a cornerback. They just, we were just scarred, at least my belief, the reason why they picked Patrick Sertan not just because he was the best player available, but because we were just so completely depleted in depth going into the end of last season where we were just literally scraping the bottle of the barrel in terms of quarterbacks and just say, whoever wants to play football, just come and sign up type of thing by, by week 17. So I guess Denver's uh, front office just doesn't want to be in that position again where we're just scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of depth. That's just my opinion. It's not a fact. Sure. So, Ty, I have one question for you. Uh, yeah. This is a, a question from uh, Mr. Boggins. He is a, uh, uh, a co-host with uh, Six Foot Ten Mexican here on our flagship podcast, the Mile High Roundtable on Thursdays. Um, just kind of made a comment here, and I'm looking for your take on it. I'm going to kind of add on to this comment a little bit as well. Uh, his comment is, now they move to New England and screw every player's internal clocks. Now, building on top of that, and really, I don't think this is a, a far-fetched idea whatsoever, yeah. is um, the Jags have certainly played their fair share overseas in yeah. England. Uh, as a Jags fan, that's really an away game for you, um, to, to, yeah. to, be, to be kind. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, what do you think the likelihood of something like that happening to the Jags is? Um, yeah, that this rumor, which for good reason has been going on for years. Um, um, now this, a few weeks ago, actually, they just announced the Jags are building a $200 million football complex in Jacksonville. Um, so, and, and actually they're making an investment down to downtown with some other stuff. So it was like $400 million. They're building a huge complex off a stadium in Jacksonville. So I, I would hope that would squash some more rumors. If, if they were going to move, they're not going to put half a billion dollars into a brand new facility. Um, now, Mr. Connor, owner, um, he does own a soccer team in London as well. Um, he's been fascinated with that market. He's from all he is from overseas. He's from over there. So I get mm -hmm. it. We, we play the one game over there every year since, I believe, 2014, 2013. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of it. Obviously, most Jags fans from here aren't uh, for, for, for obvious reasons. But um, um, I don't think it ha – I just don't think with the time change and all that, I, I, 
I don't see it being full time. I just don't. I don't. Um, I haven't for years, even without the whole complex and stuff. I never bought it full time. I just I, I couldn't see how that would operate officially with just having one team over there. They'd be at such a disadvantage um, mm-hmm. to the rest. I mean, a huge disadvantage. I mean, and and free agency, they'd have a disadvantage because no one would want to play. You know, what I mean, if I was a free agent, why would I want to go move my family, you know, to London? You know, when it's just they would have every disadvantage in the world. I feel like um, being over there and I don't see how they could make it work full time, but especially with the addition of the stadium upgrades and this new brand new facility, I don't see them going anywhere. Not to say it's never possible. I'm just saying in the, you know, whatever next decade plus, I don't see them, especially now with all these investments going anywhere. I still, they'll still play at least the one game over there. I do see that. I don't see that changing, but as, or as the other stuff, I don't see them moving full time anytime soon. So, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, especially when they're putting in a, a half a, a billion dollars. I mean, I think that's a signal to just about anyone yeah. um, who knows just about anything in economics. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, uh, yeah, you're probably not going anywhere. Now, I do think your owner though is well situated given his connections and the leverage that he would have across his multiple sports teams properties if you want to kind of go down the investment you know rabbit hole here he could be in a position where he could try to put a bid in or at least be in the running for a second team if that's not a conflict of interest in the nfl or maybe he sells the jags and tries to go back overseas if he wants to go that route in terms of um creating a an nfl division in europe uh of a four-team you know, expansion kind of, uh, you know, group. And I actually think Europe would be well situated for that. I think you have a a group of people that are used to contact sports because rugby is such a prominent sport overseas. I think so many of us here in North America just don't quite understand just how big rugby is over in Europe. Um, And and that's really the closest proxy that Europe has to American football uh, that is played at a competitive level. And so I, I do wonder if, if we would potentially see the NFL being able to pull some of the talent from the rugby leagues overseas into the NFL, given the fact that, as I mentioned to us, you know, backstage, by orders of magnitude, you are making far more money playing American football than rugby, which is why I went to work and did not play rugby competitively. Um, and even though that was my sport. So uh, I, I do wonder if that's something that might be in the cards. Um, I, I, it, I mean, it's always possible. I did see that they want the NFL is exploring a game in Germany here in the next few years. I think that was announced a few days or late last week. They're looking at Germany. So, yeah, I mean, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. It, it, it's, it's very possible. I'm never, I was going to say, never kind of showing a lot of interest over there. So I would never say the rumor is dead, dead, just because he's shown right. – a massive he he actually tried to buy two years ago he tried to buy Wembley Stadium he actually tried to purchase Wembley Stadium and he did and he did not get it so it went that far so I mean there's there's massive interest there they'll never say that publicly but it's there but I just don't think it'll be full-time um at least again at least for a while especially with this new complex being built that that, that to me squashes it for now but I think any London rumors and um, justly so will always be linked to us 
and that's small sure. market. We play over there every year. I understand the rumors. I, I get it. It doesn't really. It kind of ticked me off at first years ago, but I completely get it. I mean, I do. I mean, I I get it. That's what sports writers do and stuff. You know, like oh, yeah, yeah I, I get it. So, uh, one one more question for you, uh, Tyler, yeah. before we end today's show. Uh, next, yeah. our friend Shadow Jacker. He says, "Who's the better running back, Fred Taylor or MJD?" Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that is a good one. Those are both. My guy's there. Um, boy, that's a good one. Um, who was probably MJD was a horse for his size. I mean, he was he he was undersized, but man, he had like tree trunks for legs. I mean, he was just he was built different. Um, I'm gonna say who is who is probably the more skilled back? Probably Fred Taylor. I mean, I don't think it's a wide margin or anything like that. But if you're at asking me who is probably the better back. I'd have to go with Fred Taylor, but MJD is would be one A and one B. You know, I mean, he's right mm-hmm. there, and you can make an argument for either. But if I absolutely had to pick, I, I would probably have to go with Taylor on that one. But it's close; it's really close. Yeah, Fred Taylor, and this is the same Fred Taylor that played in Buffalo, correct? Uh, no, no, Where's this was Fred Taylor? Taylor out of Florida. He played Jacksonville. Uh-huh. It was almost about ten years, and then he finished. I played one year with New England, but it was injury prone. Oh, um, okay. So yeah, I know he played out of Florida, but Taylor was with our early teams with Mark Brunel, Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell, um, where they were really successful, and he he uh, put up some pretty gaudy numbers. Um, so I would say Taylor, but like I said, MJD was right behind him. So both fun to watch for sure. So. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, no. The only reason I asked was because when I think of Fred Taylor, I was thinking of the running back from Buffalo that played uh, with uh, Marshawn Lynch before. Oh, Lynch. yeah. No, that's a different. Yeah, that's a different Fred Taylor. Yeah, that's oh, a different okay. guy. Okay, just a coincidence that they have the same name. Yeah, it was just a co- yeah. I I know who you're talking about actually, but yeah, different guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, Jacksonville has actually been very fortunate with some of the running backs. I mean, yeah. you guys have done real well in that front. Um, you know, MJD, Fred Taylor, you've had Fournette recently. Yep. There's been a few guys, I'm going to be honest, I hear, I'll hear their names. I'm like, of course they were in Jacksonville. But um, in, in terms of the guys in between, but I mean, you guys have had some, some pretty uh, stapled running backs that, I mean, none of them are, are truly – you know, all world guys in terms of uh, setting records per se, but in their era, they were certainly within that top echelon. Uh, most of them, when they were there, where people would say, "Oh, yeah, that guy was the guy I didn't want to face." Oh yeah, we've been very fortunate. Yeah. I said Taylor was there almost a decade, just under a decade, followed mm-hmm. by MJD. Um, had a few-year gap there where, you know, it was not. But then, um, you know, yeah, we had Fournette and then last year, James Robinson. We've had a very good streak of running backs, no doubt. Right, right. Uh, well, anyways, guys, unfortunately, we have run out of time for today's show. Richie and I would like to thank our very special guest, Tyler Derby. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we wrap Absolutely. up the show, Tyler, is there anywhere our listeners can follow you on Twitter or any uh, social media? Yeah, on Twitter, absolutely. It's at Ty Derby. Um, at yeah, so at Ty Derby, and I'll send you um, after we're done here the links and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I know we play week two. Um, I wouldn't mind getting back on with you guys here before we play you guys yeah. week two. Let's circle I'd back that, and uh, yeah, 
yeah. yeah. Rich and I always extend our hand, and yeah, we always yeah. invite our our our, uh, our fans that we meet to come back on the reaction show, so that way we can sure. compare notes from the game. So we would love to welcome you back uh, for that show. Count me in for that. that game. Oh, that's count me great. in, guys. I appreciate the conversation. I, I have uh, fun tonight. Thank you so much. And before I turn things over to Rich for uh, uh, for our outro, guys, I just want to give a special uh, shout out to our loyal listener, Chris Hernandez, who is a supporter of our audio version uh, on Anchor. Chris, thank you so much for being a continued supporter of the show. And without further ado, guys, Richie, take it away. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank everyone for joining the show today. And for those of you who are joining us via audio, thank you very much for tuning in. For those who are joining us after the fact, we appreciate you as well. Not everyone can join us live. As everyone knows, we are on a quest for 1,000. That's right. We are on a quest for 1,000 subscribers here on YouTube, and we need your help to get there. We'd like for you to share like subscribe and comment as much as you can on all of our videos we always circle back and check for those so please help us get to that 1000 subscribers here on youtube we appreciate it thank you very much now for those of you who follow our nothing rhymes with orange or blue podcast you know we wanted to make it our goal to hear over the pa at empower stadium at mile high the mile high five now, it was made famous, infamous, if you will, on the Nothing Rhymes with Orange or Blue podcast. And I would appreciate if all of us can join in and doing a mile high five right now. One, two, three, mile high five. Awesome. Thank you very much. Now, keep in mind that that was perfected by the Nothing Rhymes with Orange or Blue podcast. We're going to have to work on that connection. We had the telepathy earlier. That was a little off. We'll, we'll get that fixed up. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can follow us on all of those major social channels, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. On Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, it is MHRT Podcasts with an S at the end. And on YouTube, it is MHRT Podcast Sans the S. I'm I'm from Canada. We speak French. What can I say? So we are also available wherever you may find your audio podcasts. So just go ahead and search on any of those platforms and you will find our pod there. If you have, if you're try having difficulty finding us or anything like that, you can reach out to any of us here at MHRT and we will help you track down the pod. Next week, we will be back to our usual Broncos segments. So stay tuned, follow us on Twitter, and we will go ahead and inform you in terms of the topics of discussion and all that sorts of thing. And let's not forget our other podcasts. Our next one is on Thursday, which is our namesake podcast, Mile High Roundtable. You can find us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Mountain. And on Sundays, we have our Nothing Rhymes with Orange and Blue podcast at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Mountain. I'm Richie Richie, and on behalf of myself and the six foot ten Mexican, want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, go Broncos. Adios, amigos. <laughs>